Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Ta-da. Hey, what's up? Well, you've done it. So the other email address huh? worked, and the first one didn't, huh? Yeah, and that is my show address, so I hope there's not a problem with it, because that means I could be getting emails that I'm not getting. Yeah, exactly. I'd be kind of a little worried about that, because I've never had an issue with this not being able to kick an email to where it's supposed to go like, right away. And this well, is what Michael Adam get... used all the time, too. When we get done, I'll have to have you send me an email on that to see if it's working because it, I mean, it, it's been working fine. I've never had an issue with it. And this other email address, it went through, but when I called and I was trying to enter, it kept saying I was hitting either too many fours or too many fives, and I wasn't. I had to do it like five times before it worked. <laughs> Fucking thing. <laughs> well, anything to make things difficult. You wouldn't believe some of the weird shit that I go through here. Um, oh, dude, we I, w- in our groups of people, we're the same person. We're I'm the person who has the worst luck with anything and everything. So I completely <laughs> understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just uh, you know, like I'll write a tax too, and sometimes you're like, "Well, let me give you an example." Last show I was trying to record with Dave the Exorcist. I don't know if you heard Giants Part 3 yeah. or not. But, like, I wasn't on for most of that. And the reason I wasn't on for most of it is because we recorded at Part 1 and Part 2 at the same time. We just had a two-hour slot and we recorded the whole thing. And right about after the first hour, all of a sudden, I couldn't I couldn't talk to him anymore. And, um, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, and I was, like, sitting in the exact same place that I'm I'm at right now. Perfect signal, no problem. And uh, all of a sudden, boom, I'm cut off. And I'm looking at it going, oh, the battery just died. No, 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 no. It says no service. You're like, what? So I go upstairs, I get skunk tape phone. Hey, man, let me use your phone for a few minutes until I can finish this call. And he just got done charging it. He took it off the charger, gives it to me, go downstairs, call, do like another 10 minutes, and his battery dies. Jeez. So. That's, uh, well, you know, it's weird because I've heard a couple of complaints about Skype, but for the most part, I've heard a lot of complaints about blog talk. And that surprised mm-hmm. me that it's. Skype's failing you, and this is working out, but at least you got something going. Oh, but this going. is blog talk, though. This is TalkShoe, and TalkShoe, you don't get lots of complaints about, and it's pretty easy to use. And you want to talk about blog talk, go talk to Wes. He'll give you, he'll fill your ear with complaints to the last all day long. And <laughs> he's like one of the biggest yeah. shows on there, and he still gets shitty treatment from him. So he's not very happy is, with them. Is that what he still uses? It's like the base for most of the shit that he does. Yeah, I think he's still on there. 
Uh, well, I'm going to stick with Skype until it fails me, but it's been working pretty well. In the beginning, it was pretty rocky, but uh, ever since then, it's been working great for me. But I've got a Mac, so this uh, call recorder I got on here is a great. So uh, I'm not going to change things up until I have to. You know, if it's not broke, don't yeah. fix it. Well, there's something wrong with my computer because it doesn't matter what, what thing it is that I'm trying to record anything with. The recording's going to come all like shit. But on the other hand, if I record by a third party like TalkShoe, like we're doing right now, and then import the file onto my computer and put it on Movie Maker, it's going to turn out just perfect. Yeah. Hey, uh, one thing, if you start hearing uh, electronic static in my voice when I talk, uh, let me know. You're turning back into a Borg again? Have to have your nanobot. I guess so, man. Yeah. Is that what it is? uh, Uh, so I was having problems with it and I would have to disconnect everything and then call and then it'd work fine. So I went and got my, I, I, dude, I'm like you, I had to learn every step of this and I still don't know what I'm doing half the time. And the box that I plug my mic into that plugs into my computer that allows my mic to work in my computer I went and got that tested. I got all the cables tested and my mic tested, and everything was fine. And so he's like, it's got to be a software problem on your computer. Well, I'm like, oh, uh-huh. shit. So ever since I got everything tested, knock on wood, I haven't had an issue with it. It's weird. Uh-huh. And all all he did was test it. He didn't clean nothing. He didn't mess with anything. Yeah. He just checked everything said, yep, every individual piece works fine. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I just did a little battery check on mine, and it's still running at like 90%, so that's like plenty good enough. It's got gigantic memory. It's a software problem for sure. I probably got some kind of virus on it or something. That My antivirus is too pitiful to stop. Well, that's the good <sighs> but, thing yeah. about having a Mac is you don't have to worry about that with a Mac. I've never had a virus on this thing. And it's uh, then again, I, I don't look at porn on it, so that might help. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. I got an HP. Uh, Windows 10 system. I hate Windows 10, but uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, anyway. How do I well, sound? Do I sound okay? Oh, yeah, you sound fine. So let's get her going here. Uh, you want to just, I'll do an introduction, and um, you want to talk about experiences and then kind of like work your way into how that led you to start doing crypto PTSD, and, uh, and then I'll issue the... Uh, general reiteration of yes, come one, come all. Bring your encounter reports to him, unless it was a type 3 or a type 4, in which case bring them to me. But otherwise, bring them to him. <laughs> he wants okay, them. Yeah. Not necessarily just, just the PTSD-inducing ones. It can be a normal yeah. encounter that doesn't cause you to dump a load in your pants and have nightmares for five years. Uh, you know. Yeah. I'll just uh, follow your lead. <laughs> like I know what I'm doing. Okay, you ready? <laughs> Yep. Uh, three, two, one. Howdy, and welcome back to another episode of World Bigfoot Radio. We're at big old number 20 now, and we're going to have uh, several people on for this one, so it's probably going to be a multi-parter, but I'm starting her out here with one of my friends that I talk to pretty regularly, and he also has a radio show, and we're going to talk to him about the experiences that led him to not only know Bigfoot's real, but to be interested in doing a a podcast-type show like this. 
And uh, so without further ado, let me bring on the guest and creator of the Crypto PTSD podcast, Mr. Dustin Duncan. Welcome aboard, Dustin. Hey, Duke. Thanks for having me on. And real quick, uh, a friend is, uh, well, I, I definitely have to say you've been more than a friend, uh, more like a, uh, I always tell you, my forced mentor. But uh, uh, yeah, man, I, I really appreciate all the help you've given me. Yeah, just kind of think of me as the mountain man version of Yoda. You can call him up and he might give you an answer, but he'll probably give you a smart-ass answer at the same time. So, Well, that's what I need. You know, I look at myself in our relationship as that kid that showed up after 21 years and said, hey, you're my dad. I need child support money. So, <laughs> yeah, we're 18 years of that. I need all your knowledge. Honestly, I don't mind doing this at all, especially for other people that have had uh, you know, some fairly harrowing encounters. I, I get contacted fairly regularly by people that have seen some pretty strange stuff. And part of the reason is because they've heard my encounter and they go, oh, my God, he's still like halfway sane and rational after seeing that. I probably should talk to him about what I saw. So I do get quite a bit of that. So it's no big deal, man. I'm here to, like, try and help people out that have had to deal with this weird situation. There's not support groups available for this or anything. And although you're sort of sort of doing one right now, so let's get let's get back to uh, what happened with you now. How did how did you come to find out that the biggies were in fact a real thing? Did you have any awareness of them at all when you were a little kid? Or um, I, you know, I had had a family member or two like. Uh, so growing up in, in the South or in Missouri, if you consider that the South, I do. But uh, I, I'd heard the term boogers a mm-hmm. few times growing up as a kid. And it's kind of funny. As a child, I had seen a, a fox that was very large, and larger than any other fox. And I got made fun of for it. And I was talking to one of my great uncles one time, and I, I was riding in the truck with him. And, you know, I was... I was sad, and he asked me what was going on, and he, I, I told him, long story short, he told me that, he's like, well, son, there's there's a lot of things out there that aren't known about. One time I saw a booger stacking cow patties on the edge of a pasture and walked off with it. And as a child, I, it's funny, because after getting into all this, I think back and I remembered this, I'd forgotten about it totally, but I, I pictured like a, a green gooey monster off of Scooby-Doo, like an actual booger on the edge of a field stacking freshly cow patties. Picked from a, yeah, freshly picked <laughs> from a tightened nose or something, right? That, that's, that's what I truly thought he was talking about because I don't know about other families, but in my family, you know, children, when it comes to your elders, you don't speak unless spoken to. Um, right. And so I you never and asked. You don't question very much, or it might be considered lipping off or back-talking. Yeah, and, you know, this uncle is pretty gentle, but, you know, he he's one out of ten brothers, and the way my grandpa and my other uncles are, I didn't want to look dumb, so I never asked. But it's funny that after all, all this happened that that's you – know, so, yeah, I, I'd heard about it a few times, but I didn't know what that was. And other than that, uh, growing up and probably in high school, I, I started seeing the Finding Bigfoot and after high school. And, of course, I watched it, but shortly it, it lost its entertainment value to me because it was just this 
never ending hunt for for something and how they edit it you know they you think every episode that they're going to get something and they don't yes yeah, never ending hunt for ratings it's the ultimate cliffhanger will they find him next episode tune in again yeah and it's it just you know that kind of turned me off but no it, it wasn't really in my frame of reference i i thought that bigfoot could exist but i thought his name was Bigfoot. There was one or two of them in the world, and they lived in Northern California or in the mountains somewhere, you know. But there was only one or two. Like, that that was the thought I had in my head, but I didn't really think about it too much. Right. So there was no no connection whatsoever when you heard the word booger from your uncle and then Bigfoot, thinking that they might even remotely be the same thing. thought never even occurred. Yeah. Not Not at all. Well, it makes sense to me. That's about what I would have done with it, too, you know, and we didn't have any, there was no awareness that those things were around the area I was living in from any of the locals, at least any of them that were willing to talk to me about it. And my family had moved into that area, um, you know, after they, my mom and dad got married. So there wasn't like a long-term presence of my family members there to go back a generation or two and go, hey, there's just weird things out there. You know, it just wasn't being done. But as far as I knew, having, you know, grown up in that area and knowing all the neighborhood kids and stuff, they never said anything about it either. So I just think there just generally was no awareness in that area that those things were even there or that they existed. Yeah, and there's actually, now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, I had a cousin. I I have a very large family, and... We're not Catholics, but we might as well be. I mean, I have a very large family. And so I had a distant cousin. Uh, he was quite a bit older than me, and he passed away young uh, from a heart issue. But he, I had heard that he saw a Bigfoot out while he was on sitting on a creek out in the middle of nowhere, because where we're from, I mean, it's just little spots of civilization and then just wilderness but uh he was actually out there and i i think he was in high school at the time and i think he was either drinking or maybe smoking pot or something so nobody really took him serious but he said that he saw one and i i didn't hear it from him i don't think i think it was his brother uh that ended up telling me about it but yeah other than that i mean it was never something that was real and it was never something that was really here in missouri if that makes any sense yeah i mean it totally does to me too i had a couple friends that had like seen the patterson gimlin film and we went to school and we had a good sized elementary school when i got to high school we had a class of graduating classes over 400 kids i think we had over 1800 kids in the school and it was from an area about 30 miles, 40 miles across. So, you know, a lot of kids there. So there was, of course, you know, like two or three that were interested in the subject. And we would talk about it occasionally. But even amongst them, there was like no no concept that they could actually be living in Minnesota. That was, again, like you were saying, it was a Pacific Northwest, Northern California phenomenon. They're way over there in the big timber in the mountains somewhere. And we don't have to worry about that stuff. We just have to worry about eating, being eaten by wolves. That's about it here, you know. So, Duke, are you there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought I cut out there. Hopefully not. 
<clears throat> so, yeah, you know, I sort of had the same thing. There wasn't, like, a whole lot of awareness or talk going on about it. It would have been helpful if there had been. Yeah. Uh, so, absolutely. When, and go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I was just going to say that my family, all hunters, and, you know, if something would have been out there, they would have told me about it. And even though my uncle said that to me one time as a kid, it didn't really register. But absolutely, there's zero talk about it. Nobody believes they're out there. You know, it's it's something that you just don't even think about when you go out in the woods. The danger here in the part of Missouri that I'm from you know, we don't even have black bears in this part of Missouri. I've never seen one. I've never seen sign of one. I think there was a sighting in the area I lived in like 50 years ago, but there was oh only one. So the the only fear is people and then mountain lions, which is extremely rare. I've seen bobcats, but, you know, that, that you're not really scared of a bobcat. Yeah. Now they don't usually get big or crabby enough to be. You could be more scared of a badger, actually. But yeah, I know what you're yeah. saying. You're pretty short on uh, local predators there that potentially could be messing with you in the woods. Absolutely. Yep. <sighs> Sorry, drinking. Um, no, you're okay. So did you do, like, quite a bit of hunting and stuff when you were a kid then, running around the woods a lot? I did. Uh, I always joke and say the woods was my daycare, but <laughs> I, I I spent a lot of time out there. You know, as a kid, in first grade, we moved back to my hometown of where my family's from, and we lived on a farm, and it had an apple orchard behind the house, and... You know, there, it, it was a big house. We didn't have cable, nothing like that. So it was, if you're bored, you get kicked out of the house. And during the day, you get kicked out of the house anyways. Uh, my mom was uh, real big on cleaning, and she, we just played outside. You know, you, in the country, you have to make your own fun, make your own games, make your own toys. And with an apple orchard, and uh, my grandpa had logs stacked up. We weren't supposed to play on them, but we did. You know, we, we were always outside, always doing stuff. I always wanted to be a hunter. I wanted to be like my grandpa, my uncles, you know, um, and be this great white hunter. That that was the thing. I, I warred, raged my own war on uh, starlings, and, uh, you know, I, I was always running around with my BB gun shooting birds and cans and the neighbor's dog or whatever, I'd shoot anything and everything. I can relate to that. We raised ducks and rabbits, so we had, like, this ready supply of food for them all the time, which all the local rodents really enjoyed and were trying to get into all the time. So we would set them up. Me and my brother both had uh, Ruger 1022s with four-power scopes, and we'd do our own little sniper massacre, and we'd just put a bunch of grain on the hillside down below the house and just leave it there all day long and wait until there was a big pile of them over there eating all at the same time. And we'd sneak up and put the rifle barrels through the fence. Three, two, one, open up on them and see how many of them we could take out before the rest of them scattered and got out of range. Yep. So that's, uh, and even when I moved back, uh, I'd gone out to my friend's house. I had my best friend lived in the country 
and that that's what we did out there so you know that 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 was fun and the woods were never really a scary place it it has always been you know as i i grew up and went out with my uncle and cousins that grandfather that taught me how to hunt i it, it was my zen time you know during high school i would go out with my 410 and I, I just go out by myself and hunt and have no worry in the world. And it, it was, I, I loved the woods. I loved hunting. I loved everything about it. You know, even if I didn't get anything, seeing uh, a turkey or a, a deer while I'm out squirrel hunting is is a win for me. Even if I come home empty-handed, just seeing the wildlife. You know, there were times I would sit down and I would just watch them. You know, I, I, I might see a squirrel but I won't shoot if I've got deer out because I'll just sit there and watch them. So I was definitely really into hunting and, you know, not so much hiking, but hiking in the sense of walking around with a gun. Yes. Because sometimes I go out and uh, really I wanted to go out for a hike, but I would bring my 410 in case I saw a squirrel. So. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how much we have in common as far as the way we grew up. Cause same thing for me, I was out the middle of nowhere had a shooting range and a gravel pit right down the hill behind the house with powder magazine and we actually had a gun shop in the house that my dad is selling because uh, he had his own gun uh, dealership there. He was selling all kinds of firearms, lots of black powder stuff. It was right at uh, Daniel. And uh, it was just real interesting. You know, and one thing, we were out, of course, if we weren't hunting in the woods, we were, like, running around playing war or making... Um, shacks or undergrounds or you know uh hideouts all kinds of stuff that we were doing so we were like all over the woods exploring it and it's interesting that until many years later i never had any idea what it was i was looking at but after i started seeing examples of it elsewhere i just went oh my god these things were effing everywhere all around where we were playing all the time there were all these weird tree structures and they were so obvious that even as a kid I couldn't blow it off. I just go like that's not natural. How the hell did yeah. they get there? Somebody's making that. So our our theory locally was that there was these kids from somewhere around the neighborhood that we didn't know that were running around back in our woods making these little weird structures and we just for some reason never ran into them and that was sort of what we used to, to mollify our own uh sense of curiosity about it so we didn't get all freaked out. But now that I look back on it, I'm you know, if I would have known what it was, I wouldn't have been in the woods at all. But, um, yep. you know, it's like you say a lot of people uh, oh, have been hunting for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. I've never seen you sign a Bigfoot. But you don't know what to look for. Once you know yeah. what to look for, it's pretty easy to find a Bigfoot. In fact, sometimes it's scary how easy it is. It's disconcerting how close to town you can find signs sometimes and go, oh, my God, what are they doing right here? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, it, you're, you're absolutely right on that. And, you know, as a kid, something that we used to do that was probably my favorite thing outside of hunting and, you know, this started from before I was at the age where I could go out and hunt on my own. But we would go creaking, and we would just wade up up the creek. And there's a sense, and I think every human being for a, uh adventure, and when you're creaking, you go up to a bin, you know, and we, we'd work our way to a certain bin. Well, 
you look just past it and you wonder what's next. And so you just keep going and keep going. And, you know, I remember getting in trouble from going too far. I remember one time his mom came and she actually pulled up on the bridge and we were like four miles from the house. And she had been looking for us for several hours because we didn't realize how far we had gone going up this creek. And now when I go back and I, I think about things and I, as a kid, I don't know structures pop out in my head that I remember saying, hmm, what was that? But there were always weird experiences. You know, there was one at the farmhouse with the apple orchard with my dog that, that was that was weird. But it's easily chalked up to being nothing. But once your eyes get opened to seeing the what the sign that these creatures make, you can't stop seeing it. And you're absolutely right. It's scary. You know, you, I use the analogy of, you know, motorcycle accidents. People don't, don't see what they're not looking for. But once you buy a motorcycle, you notice motorcycles everywhere because you're riding it, you know, it's the same thing with, I've heard other people say, if you buy a certain car, well, all of a sudden you realize all these other cars that are just like yours that you would have never seen before. And it's, it's the same thing. Yeah. Amongst the other uh, multitude and plethora of brilliant things that he said, Dr. Bindernagel made one statement that I love to quote a lot, at least like regularly at this time. And that's it. Uh, uh, for, for Bigfoot believers, for knowers, it's not so much a case of seeing as believing it's, believing is seeing because once you've seen one you know they're real and you start doing some research and finding out what kind of signs you can look for they're going to tell you about their presence in your area it's relatively easy to find signs of them you start knowing where to look and you go there and start looking for it it's like well presto presto there it is but if you didn't know anything about them you'd walk right past it and never have any idea absolutely absolutely i used to use a a tree bow uh to get to my stand, my hunting stand, I used to walk underneath it. It was a landmarker for me, and I never questioned how that tree <laughs> got like that. Somebody else is using it for a marker, too. How, how ironic is that, huh? <laughs> yep. Be like one of them finding a metal sign with an arrow on it out in the woods, not knowing what it is, and just go, well, remember this spot right here because there's weird things here. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> oh, my God. So, anyway, so this went on for quite some time, and you were out in the woods a lot. So when did the whole thing actually uh, come to a climax and, and you became convinced without a shadow of a doubt? Okay, so I I kind of did what you did. Um, I I actually saw one. I didn't know what it was. I had nothing in my brain to put it to, no box to put it in. And I don't know if I blocked it out, but I just did not think about it. And we were having a lot of odd experiences around the property. I still didn't put it together. And then oh, I, I went hunting with my cousin got a deer and had a gut pile stolen and everything. It was like that was the can the straw that broke the camel's back and everything came back and I had to know what was going on. And so I, I went back home to, 
to St. Louis and I started researching and I started putting things together and it, it kind of, you know, seeing one, even for me, I, I didn't buy into it. I didn't fully understand what I saw. I can't explain how I didn't think about it and how I just kind of forgot about it, but I did. I, I don't know what mechanism that was. I don't know if I blocked it out. I don't know. But for a, about a year and, until that gut pile got stolen, did I actually start figuring out what was going on? Oh, my God. Well, like you said, sort of the same thing happened to me. And even on a worse scale, I didn't just, like, block it out. I completely forgot about it. It was a suppressed memory until I, my friend Dave brought it up again about two years later, and then it would, like, boom, it all came back again. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, that's... That's, it's just so, especially if you're really into being in the woods, it's so jarring to your reality, and it's so threatening to everything that you like doing. It's just, like, easier for you to just go, nah, I'm wrong, I'm crazy, I was just hallucinating, it was nothing. I'll just blow it off, nothing to worry about. Moving along, nothing to see here, folks. And that's, like, basically what you're telling yourself, you know. And uh, I've had other, you know, situations that I look back on now and go, yeah, that was probably Bigfoot related. And at the time, I was just like going, meh, probably nothing, you know, and like blowing yep. it off like it, it was something completely different. 100%. And there's stuff that I remember back to, including the, you know, my uncle saying he saw a booger, um, that after I dug into this and I started realizing I'm an idiot. You know, <laughs> there's so many things that... I just explained away, like, impossible scenarios. Like, if a buck stood on one hoof, jumped three times to the right, did a cartwheel, and then did this, that's what caused it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I came up with these ridiculous scenarios to explain things, and I I was okay with that. Yeah. But after after that gut pile, you know, we literally thought there was a large drunk guy running around our property at night coming up he he wasn't taking anything and he was talking outside the window we'd all go outside nothing i mean that we literally thought that it was a large drunk guy large because of how deep the voice was and drunk because it sounded like english but you couldn't make out what he was saying. So I thought he was drunk and it, it was, you know, it's amazing if you're not thinking about something, how much stuff can happen. And on my show, I like having people on that haven't seen anything that are having these types of encounters because it, it, it's what happened to me. And I think it's what's happening to a lot of people out there. And if maybe they hear these stories like, Oh, well, they haven't seen anything either, but they're having the same things I had. Maybe it'll get them to look into it and start o opening up their mind and their eyes a little bit to where they'll start seeing things. Yeah, maybe save them a serious case of PTSD, too. You know, and that's part of the problem because you can keep fooling yourself and telling yourself over and over again as these little odd and peculiar things happen over and over and they add up. And you just keep blowing up going, yeah, it's nothing. It was, you know, just a squirrel. Or, that was just an old branch on that tree that was getting ready to fall over there that 
snapped off and sounded like something just snapped a six-inch branch. So that wasn't anything. And, you know, <laughs> you can make up, like, even more stupid excuses for it than what, than the possibility that Bigfoot's doing it, just to convince yourself okay. that there's nothing to it. And then at some point, you actually see one, and then it's like, oh, crap. Now I can't lie to myself anymore that there's nothing out here. Because there it is right there. There's something out here. Yep, and it flips your world upside down. Well, tell us about your experience with that then, Dustin. Okay. Um, I'll I'll start with the, the sighting that I had, and then uh, I'll go into some of the stuff that happened around the property, if that's okay. Sure. Okay. Well, one night I, I was driving home. We have a long driveway, and if you take your left hand and you make an L shape with your index finger and your thumb and you take the tip of your thumb and you point it up towards the tip of your index finger where it kind of makes a J or a hook shape, that's the shape of our driveway. And at the tip of your thumb is the house. And I was driving home one night. Every single night when I get down to the curve, I swing over to the side of the road that way I, I can have a better view looking down the path. This path kind of keeps going straight off, and it ends up turning and leading into the east field. And every night I, I do this when it's dark out because there's coons or possums or foxes, deer, whatever. There's animals down there quite a bit. And so I'll I'll stop and look at them, and then I'll pull in, and then if there's nothing, I'll go up there. But I hang over to the right because it allows me to see, have a better view. And at the last second, I turn. And so I'm doing this, and I see something dash across the path. So immediately, I'm thinking deer. It looked too thick to be a deer, and its locomotion was was smoother. I mean, it was just a, a flash. And I thought I saw like a glint of red, like eye shine, uh, when it did that. And so, you know, I'm slowing down to a stop, and I notice to the right this reflective lights. And there's a semi-trailer. We're on the right side. This thing is moving up and down. And for a second, my mind is trying to say, that it's the reflective tape off of the semi-trailer that's come loose, and it's flopping in the wind, and that's what I'm seeing. But I instantly know that's wrong, because whatever this is, is it's looking at me, and it's looking across the path, and it's ducking and standing. So whenever it looks across the path, I can see that whatever this is has a flat face, and that the two reflective things that I'm seeing... It, they they're shaped like eyes. They look like eyes, and as it turns, I can I can see the front of the face, and that that it's flat. So it's obviously something, and it's standing and ducking and looking at me, looking across the path, and it's doing all of this, and it's kind of bobbing left to right a little bit as it's doing it. I've never seen anything move like this. Like small animals will move real jerky. Uh, but this, this thing was a very large animal, and whatever it was, I, it was jerky, but 
smooth like a cat. And that's hard to explain, but it's the only way I, I can say it. It's almost like how a bird will move its head around. Right. It's like that, but seeing like a uh, – imagine a bull do doing that, moving in that way. You know, it, it would look very odd. So this thing is doing this, and my brain is like trying to put together an outline. And it the the whole encounter here lasted probably seven seconds, you know, five to seven seconds, which – if you sit there and you count one Mississippi, two Mississippi, seven seconds is a long time. Like, it, yeah. it's a short amount of time, but it's also a very long time. Okay. And at, at the last second, it's about midway in its up and down movement, and it stands up. And when it stands up, it squares up to me. And the whole time, it wasn't completely squared. It was kind of quartered to me, um, facing my left side. The path was on its right, my left. And it stands up and squares up to me. And when it does, is the first time that I actually see its outline. And as soon as it squares up, it instantly shrinks back down. And disappears. And I don't mean disappear like poof, it was gone. It went below the grass where I couldn't see it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I assume it went. Drive or spider, uh, spider crawl, one or the other. That's what I'm guessing. I don't know. Uh, all I know is that it didn't go across the path to the left because I would have seen it. To the right, mm-hmm. there was a couple of pallets on the ground there. And it, it would have went over or. I don't know. There's this whole area is completely surrounded by four or five wire bob wire fence. So huh. it had to have went over it because of its thickness, but it it could have done that behind the semi trailer where I couldn't see it. Right. Well, that's pretty creepy. What kind? What color was the eye shine that you were getting reflected back from the uh, headlights? So I, I had an '89 GMC pickup. And it had the the old yellow headlights, but they're very bright. Right. The first thing that went across looked red. This one, when I first saw it, it was like a like a whitish yellow, kind of. Uh, that's why I was kind of thinking like the reflective. But as it was moving, it, it would go from, and I don't know if I've I've said this before, but it would go from a whitish or maybe a yellowish brown or an orangish brown to this whitish yellow. Like it, it, it was the same color, but it's like it as it would turn and look back, it would darken and lighten um, the color of it. Like it would get a deeper color and then lighter, but it, it was kind of staying the same. And it, it was it's hard to explain. I'm not very good at explaining color, but it, it was like a yellowish white to a brownish orange, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I mean, like with the one uh, that I got to see in the dark conditions where you actually could get that sort of thing, it was getting reflection out of the corner of its eye off of the uh, porch light. And I was like, 
I was like, what, uh, almost 90 degrees off where it was sitting. And I was pretty much in front of it. And from where I was sitting directly in front of it, that angled reflection off the light was making its eye shine look like kind of a uh, lime green color. And I, that's why I thought it was somebody with like some, you know, hip 1970s uh, mirrored sunglasses on sitting there in the middle of the driveway because that's what it looked like. It had that same kind of reflective property you would get if you were standing there in the dark with a pair of reflective sunglasses on. That's pretty much what it looked like. But it was just like this kind of a light green color. Well, I saw another one uh, with my mom, and I'll tell that in a bit, but it, it was a completely different color, and it was three different colors mm-hmm. the the whole time. So anyway, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that it probably is a couple different factors. One is the, the color and intensity of the light that's hitting it, and the second thing is the angle that you're looking at it from. Yeah, uh, I would agree 100% in the other encounter uh, that I had with my mom proves that, in my opinion. I mean, if what we were looking at was a Sasquatch, which I believe it was, it, it proves that uh, because we argued about the, the eye color. But I'll, I'll tell that in a bit. Yeah, so anyway, so now you saw this thing. It ducks down. It, it scampers off somewhere and, and hides off in the darkness. What what was your impression at this point? I mean, it sounds like it was about as tall as the damn uh, semi-trailer, so this must have been a big boy. Um, it, I know it, my it, situation would have scared the crap out of me. It wasn't as big as the semi-trailer, as in the top, but it was... And I've said different things because I don't want to sound crazy. It was at least nine foot, if not bigger. And to be completely honest, I think it was probably closer to 10. Now, I don't know if it was standing on any of the pallets. I don't know exactly what else was back there other than the pallets. But its movement, I imagine that if it was standing on the pallets, because they can be kind of bouncy, that it wouldn't have been as fluid in its movement. You know, it seemed like it was standing on something solid. So right. it, it, it could have just been the ground. Weight. Yeah. Yes. And it, the way that it was moving, if it was standing on something that had any movement to it, it would not have been as fluid as it was. But right. when it comes to the width, now I had a 89 GMC pickup. Actually, I'll be driving that tomorrow. I gotta go pick up some stuff, but it, it was over half the width of the truck, uh, probably closer to three quarters. And the one thing that my brain kind of stuck on was its its shoulders, and the I believe it's called your delt muscle, your delts. It's like if you put your hand on the part of your arm where you would get a shot in it. Uh, that muscle right there yep. was so big, and it was it looked odd, like it stuck out. It it was shaped, it was like perfectly rounded and shaped like a basketball, mm-hmm. and it my my eyes just kind of locked on that. Uh, the head was rounded. It, it was not any more conical than my head is. It was not a a pointed didn't come to a point it it was round and very broad it did have a big head but the shoulders on it were massive that that's the only way to describe it like uh, west germer used to have a 
uh, on his intro, somebody say, you know, he could have ripped the door off my truck and there's nothing I could have done about it. That's 100% the way I felt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, people that haven't seen one of these things actually, and you know, especially one of the bigger ones, uh, you just can't appreciate how really scary they actually are because, you know, most people get this kind of mental impression of, well, it's kind of like, you know, like a bodybuilder with like a furry suit on or something. Uh, uh, no. Yes, and it's no. Like the Incredible Hulk it, with a furry suit on. <laughs> yes, when you see it, it's 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 hard to describe. There's absolutely no way to prepare it yourself. You might want to compare it to, to more of something along the lines of like a horse, a bull, or an elephant, because that's yeah. more along the lines of the size of these things actually are. They're not like the little, you know, human gorilla-sized critters. These things are huge. Yep. They're they're big. They're definitely not not something to mess with. <laughs> Do not play games with Bigfoot. Do not hug the Wookiee. So yeah, anyway, exactly. <laughs> after you after you saw Chewbacca take a powder there, uh, what were you thinking at that point? Now you know the damn things are real and they're right there. You know, what do you do I thought it was point? a monster. I, I didn't well, think about Bigfoot. I didn't think about anything. I I thought that I saw a monster. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I didn't know what it was. Um, it. I just didn't know what it was. I. I it's kind of hazy. The memories after seeing it. I remember being scared to get out of the truck. Um, I know I got out of the truck, but I don't remember much after that. I, I don't remember if I went straight to bed or if I sat in the living room or if I sat in the bathroom and cried. I don't know. Uh, it, it just, after that, it, it just, I didn't think about it until, and even having all the things happen around the property, I never linked it to that. Never yeah. thought it was that. That never once popped in my head until the gut pile got stolen. And then you're just, there's so much shock that comes along with it. And the next thing that pops into your head is, oh my God, that reminds me of the time that this happened. Which reminds me of the time that this happened. Which reminds me of the time that this happened. And you're sitting there for like half a day going, oh my God, was that one of them this time? And just like second guessing pretty much everything that you've done in your life up to that point, anything that was peculiar out in the woods, and and yeah, you know, and it just freaks you out. It turns your world upside down. And you know, if you're in one of these situations where it's like right on the property where you live, or you get a really up close look at just how huge one of these things are, I mean, you know, it doesn't have to growl at you or throw a tree at you or anything. These things are friggin' scary. And they seem to be able to project fear just fine without having to do much of anything else uh, in addition to just being there to do it. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people that listen to these shows and people's encounters and stuff just don't have a clue about how scary some of these things are. Like, I can see a skeptic right now listening to your encounter going, oh, well, you know, if it wasn't standing on the ground and it was standing on something to make it taller when it was around there, well, you know, like after it ran off, why didn't you just go over there to see if there was a pile of pallets there? Huh. Now, that's, well, that's the kind of question that a skeptic would ask because they have no clue of what it's like to see a freaking monster. Oh, yeah, I'm going to run toward the monster in the dark. What, are you crazy? 
Seriously. Think about what you're asking for a minute. And then don't ask well, me. That, so I knew that there was uh, uh, like three or four pallets over there because there's also a small tree, and it was in between the tree and the trailer. But I don't think it was on that. I'm just saying because of how tall it was. But you got to think there was one darted across, something darted across the path. So now there's one on both sides of that path. And uh-huh. going down there was never, I honestly never thought about doing that. Yeah. I mean, that, that was not something I wanted to do. It was getting in, I got to get in the house alive. Yeah, and let let me just, you know, reiterate that to everybody again. He's worried about getting in the house alive. He just saw a monster. He's not going to walk over to where he just saw the monster with his flashlight and take a picture of the ground. He's worried about not being dead. He doesn't know what he just saw. It's right freaking there. He's going to go in the house and protect his own butt and be, like, logical and common sense guy instead of Joe Stupid. I'm going to go run off into the dark and follow the monster. Yeah, that always works out well in the horror movies. So, you know, the point I'm trying to make here is, uh, you know, seriously, people, if you're going to be skeptical and you don't want to believe in this and you want to ask questions, put yourself in that position and think about it. If you just saw a 9- or 10-foot-tall monster in the dark go darting off, would you walk over there and check it out? Hell no. Don't tell me you would because I know you're lying. Don't even be lying like that. All right, Dustin, go back to it. Yeah, I mean it. it you're right. That's that's absolutely. It. I mean, it it just it wasn't a thought, and you know. No. So you're not thinking a, about after, that. You're, you're busy, you know, grappling with the idea that monsters are now real. You're not worried about proving exactly. its reality to anybody else. You're exactly. freaking out. Yeah, it's. I knew I saw something there, and what I saw was real, and it was there because my mind was trying to say, it's the the tape flipping off the edge like i was trying to create something else with what i was seeing but i couldn't and then at the end whenever it it stood up and squared up to me i mean and i saw the outline it was just uh, that moment right there i don't know if i'll ever be any more scared i don't (laughs) that that moment right there changed my life uh, 100%. And it, it's hard to describe to somebody. Like, imagine you're, you're weed-eating in somebody's yard. Do-to-do, nothing's going on. Well, your weed-eater runs out of strength, so you shut it off. You pull your music out, you know, your headphones out of your ears, and you turn around, and there's a male lying, lion standing right behind you. How you feel in that moment is probably how I felt in that moment. It was totally unexpected. I was just driving home one night, and there's this thing that can kill me, and it's not very far away. And uh, it's you not know, supposed it, it's to a be feeling, real or exist, but it does. Exactly. Exactly. It, it's a feeling of I, I'm dead unless this thing decides not to kill me. Mm-hmm. And for all you know, it's some I, kind of friggin' monster, and from what you've heard, Monsters generally, you know, encounters with them don't work out well. Um, so that doesn't give you a whole lot of, you know, uh, margin for, for feeling a whole lot of hope in this situation. But it's going to be a friendly monster that's going to give you a hug. Uh, that's generally not what pops into your mind. Uh, yeah, it, exactly. And then after, you know, after that, or do you do you have any more questions on that? You want me to kind of 
move on to the other stuff that was going on on the property? Well, I just think that, you know, that that would be really a kind of a jarring encounter to have it happen right there on your property. I mean, the first time I saw one was about three miles from the house, which was too damn close to start with. But I was willing to stay out of the woods and have nothing to do with it again until one of them showed up right on the property, at which point I went, well, I can't avoid them. They're going to come up here and pester me, so now I've got to find out about them. But, yeah, you know, if you want to just continue on with the, the, next, uh, the next thing that happened after that one, sure, go ahead. Okay, so the the rest of this is after the fact. So a couple of these might be out of order. Uh, it was literally all this stuff happened in between me seeing it and then the gut pile. This is everything that happened in between here. So I at the time I worked at a sawmill and I I was the tie guy. I graded, cut, and stacked railroad ties all day. Uh, that's what I did. So when I got home, it was at, at this point in my life I I lived with my mom and you know I, I was trying to get get out get out of there. And, but when I got home, I would be dirty. I I don't know if anybody's ever worked in a sawmill, but it's very hard work, and you you get covered in sawdust and sweat. I mean, you can drink a two gallons of water a day and not urinate. I mean, that's how much you sweat. I mean, it's a it's a very physical job, but I would get home and I would be filthy. So my mom, of course, didn't want me sitting on the furniture. She wanted me to take a shower right off the bat. Well, I would be exhausted and I would just want to kind of sit. So what I would do is I would go to the back patio and I would sit there and I'd watch YouTube videos or play games on my phone and smoke cigarettes. I smoked cigarettes at this time and I would just sit there. Uh, because I, I basically was trying to relax, and I knew when I went in I had to take a shower, and then I could sit on the furniture. So sometimes I would sit there, and it would get dark, and I wouldn't be paying attention because I'm smoking cigarettes, and I'm playing on my phone. And this happened several times to the point where I started noticing it, and I, I didn't know. I just thought I was being a sissy. But I'd be sitting there, and it would be dark, pitch black and all of a sudden i'm literally sucked into my phone whatever i'm doing watching youtube netflix whatever i'm watching on my phone and it's like all of a sudden i have this fear hit me like something's watching me and something's wrong to the oh, point God. to where like literally i'm not doing anything and i'm looking at my phone not thinking about anything, and then boom, it would happen. And so I would stand up, and I would walk to, because on both sides of the wall I'm sitting in front of, we have dark spaces where there's no lights, and it's uh, L-shaped. So it's literally like a dark hole, and I'm facing east, which is the pasture. Mm-hmm. On the right side of me, we have a dog uh, pinned up there, and that this dog would bark crazy at anything. So I'd, I'd get up, and I'd peek around the left side, which is pitch black, and I would take my phone and shine the light as best I could. I'd go and do it on the right side. Well, several times, the dog would be laying down, and she would be looking behind the shop, which is to the south, and she would look at me, and her her ears would come up, 
and she'd look over there and she'd lay her ears back. And she'd look at me, her ears would come up and she'd look over and I'm like, Well, there's nothing over there because she's she would be barking, but why is she doing that? It's like she's like, Do you see this? And oh. so this happened several times. To a point where I stopped sitting outside when I got home. I would sit in the vehicle, smoke my cigarettes, and walk inside. Well, yeah, it's my, not, it sounds like that could make you a little bit paranoid after a while. Like, what the hell is a dog keep looking at? I, I'm getting creeped out here. Well, see, I thought I would just be in a sissy. I thought I was just scaring myself. Um, it, it would... But I never thought of Bigfoot or anything like that. You know, I thought there's a person over here. Or there's a mountain lion out in the tall grass or something. But I, it, the weird thing was is I would not be thinking about anything, and then boom, it's like the feeling would just hit me. So my my nephew, he's I'm very close to him. Uh, he's He's like a son to me. He would sleep in bed with me. And whenever he did sleep in bed with me, I, I'm more alert. And it's not uncommon for me to wake up in the middle of the night. But what is uncommon is for me to wake up in the middle of the night and be wide awake. Like, mm-hmm. something woke me up, but I don't know what it is. You know, I'll wake up, you know, if I hear something, I'll look around, see what it is, go back to sleep. But if I wake up and I'm, like, alert, that is very uncommon. Well, mm-hmm. this started happening, and... I I would wake up and I'd be laying there and I'm like, okay, what well, what woke me up? And then I would hear the cat, which is in my stepbrother's room. It's the the room to the left of me. Dash across the room and come to the wall that my room shared with his room and get behind the bookshelf and start meowing. And this cat is the most annoying cat. It literally would, for hours, just sit there and meow real loud. Meow, meow, meow. I hated this cat. And so this happens the first night. I'm like, oh, this stupid cat. It it did something and woke me up. Happens the second night. Same thing. I, I think that the cat knocks something over. It wakes me up, and I'm waking up alert, and then it's running underneath. Well... I started catching on to uh, one night I heard a – this is like every night for a week. This happened every night. And so it was either the second or the third night. I don't remember exactly. But I wake up, nothing's moving, and I hear a pop. And then the cat scurries behind the bookshelf and does the meowing thing. And the pop was like a – you know when the house creaks and it pops Mm – it's mm-hmm. like a muffled pop. This was mm-hmm. like a light pop, like something bouncing or hitting. So the next night, you know, the cat sits there meowing. I'm trying to get shut up, and I go to sleep. Next night, I, same thing. I wake up, and this is very unusual to the point where I'm like, okay, something's wrong. What's going on? So I wake up wide awake. I hear the pop. The cat runs and meows. And so by like the fifth night, I, I I know every step, but I don't know what's going on. And I'm laying there and on the other side of the wall, exactly like if I would have stuck my arm straight up, like I'm sticking them through the wall as I'm laying on my back, I, I would have touched whatever it was. There's a window directly to my right 
but this thing was not in front of the window. It was exactly on the other side of the wall. And I heard a guy speak, and he spoke. His voice was so deep, it, like, bounced off the hallway wall, and it, like, shook the wall. Like, it reverberated. It was so deep. And it, it only said a few syllables, like a short phrase. And it, it was it was just a real short phrase, and I jumped up because this bed it, it creaks. But anyways, I jumped up, I grabbed my phone, and I called my mom, and she's in the other room. And I as it's ringing, I'm like, oh, she's not gonna pick up. What am I gonna do? She answers on the third ring, and she she goes, what's wrong? And I said, you know, basically get my stepdad up there's people in the house. So I knew no one was in the house, but my biggest fear was that people broke into the house. So in my mind, the biggest threat was somebody being in the house. So I wanted to clear that first. So I told her that's what happened or that's what I think that way. One, I'd be taken serious and two, we could clear the house first, but I knew whatever it was, was outside the wall. Um, but hearing it reverberate off the wall, again, that was my biggest threat. So I'm like, get him up, tell him to get his gun. He gets his gun. We end up looking, he said, where are they? And I said, I don't know. I, I think they're in the house, but they could be outside or something. And we end up going outside. I run outside first cause I'm wanting to catch this guy. My stepdad's in his underwear, and he's got a pistol, you know, and he goes to get a flashlight. I go out there, and the dome light on my mom's car is on, but other than that, nothing. So we go back in. We get uh, my nephew and my mom. Well, my mom actually went and got him and went back to her room while we were outside. We all got in the car, drove around and looked because we're like, if somebody's here, they're, they got to have their car close or else they ran through the woods or across the field. And if they they did, like if they brought a four-wheeler, we're going to be able to see that. They ran through the tall grass. We're going to be able to see it. So we drove around. We went to all the gravel roads surrounding our property. There was absolutely nothing. They believed me that I I heard something. Something was out there, but we thought it was people. Uh, They asked me what I heard. I told them. I said, it sounded like a, a big drunk guy. Because it it was so deep, I knew this guy had to be huge, and right. it sounded like English, but I couldn't make it out. And it was uh, <laughs> it, it was right on the other side of the wall. So where I was laying, if I stuck my hand straight forward like I'm trying to touch the ceiling, that's about where its head was on the other side of the wall. And we have like uh, the footings of the concrete footings. It is probably three foot tall right there. So later, going outside and looking where it had to have been standing, this thing was big. It was at least eight foot tall, if not nine, uh, to be where I thought its head was when I heard the sound, which, of course, was odd. But they, they didn't really think... Anything was really going on. We had had 
something bang on the wall. They had heard that several times. So I end up moving out. Um, I, I'm trying to think. I hope I don't leave anything out. I might, but I, I end up moving out. I come back, and my grandfather was sick. I think my grandfather was sick, but I, I came back, visited him, and it was deer season the following year, and I I wanted to go hunting, and that's on this property, and nobody had ever hunted that property before. Uh, my stepbrother went out like one time, didn't see nothing. They never hunted it again, so my cousin, I took him with me, and it was late, like it, it was almost dark. It, I got back from visiting my grandpa, uh, threw my clothes on. My cousin came over. We're getting dressed, and we're trying to get out there before it gets pitch black. But honestly, didn't expect to see anything. We walk out the doors, and the sun is like setting already. So by the time we would have gotten to the woods, we maybe would have had 15 to 30 minutes of light tops. So we, we walk out the door, we're heading down that path where I saw that thing, and we're literally like right there where that happened, and uh, I see a deer. Okay. Okay, everything all right? Yeah, I just had to walk through the living room with my idiot roommates listening to Goofy videos. Okay, uh, so I, I'm walking down that path. I'm literally within a hundred yards of the the door to the house. I shoot this deer. My cousin's with me. I gut it, and uh, I shoot it. We have to drag it over. Everybody comes out and looks at it, take a couple pictures of my nephew, drag it back to the spot. And everyone goes in except my cousin, and I start gutting it. Well, I I get guts out, and I hit the deer in the back of the heart, which filled filled its chest cavity, uh, you know, from the diaphragm up with blood. But but the guts were were clean. Pull pull it out. The heart's my favorite part of the meat. Sorry if I gross people out, but I have the guts out i flip the deer over to drain the blood out of the chest cavity because i hit him and i nicked him in the back of the heart and so it filled you know his chest cavity with blood i pull all that out and then um i want to go inside to get a sharper knife to put the heart up and then to bring my truck and my cousin's car down there because it's dark uh to put the lights on it so i can finish um splitting the pelvis and doing all that so I f- pull the deer right right by the gut pile, and I flip him over chest down to drain the blood out. Me and my cousin go in. We I believe I took a bowl, put salt in it, filled it with water, put the heart in there, put it in the fridge, and grabbed a sharper knife, and we went back outside. I got my truck. He got in his car. We drove down there. First thing we did was drag the deer over to where our headlights were hitting it which was like right on the edge of the path we had it back in kind of the corner right behind the semi-trailer uh in the taller grass because that's where my stepdad told me to put it that way you know there wasn't a gut pile sitting in the middle of his pathway and so (laughs) drug drug it over and we're splitting it and um 
I cut the male part off of the deer, and I give it to my cousin to go throw in the gut pile, and he I ended up cracking a joke about it, but he walks over there, and I'm trying to split the pelvis, and the, the leg keeps flopping over, and it's being a pain in the butt, and so I need my cousin's help, and so I look up, and he's just standing there, and I'm like, hey, man, you want to take that? thing home you want some alone time with it or something you know like just just joshing him and he's like dustin where's the gut pile and i'm like you like i'm thinking you idiot like come on i'm dude it's it's right there there. just we we throw that down there and come over here and help me and he's like dustin no it's not and so i'm agitated i get up and i walk over there expecting to point at this huge gut pile and when i get over there the gut pile is gone the only thing that's there is the the puddle of blood on the ground from me draining its chest cavity and it wasn't like a puddle is like a circle it takes some sort of circular shape you know right it was like a crescent moon because the gut pile was on the ground first, and then I drained the blood out, and it ran up to the gut pile, the edge of the gut pile, and formed a shape around it. And now that the gut pile is gone, that shape is starting to seep in and fill in with blood. Like, it was obviously, that is 100% where the gut pile was, and it is not there. And it, my cousin's like, Dustin, what could have done that? And I'm like, dude, it, it it was nothing. Just help me load this up and let's go. And we loaded <laughs> up the deer, threw it in the back of my truck, and took it to my cousins or my uncles. And um, I ended up going back that evening, and I took a light, and I started doing circles. I'd do a circle, and I'd take a big step out and do a circle, take a big step out. Because I thought, okay, this place is one completely surrounded by that four or five wire bob wire fence so i'm thinking one we were not gone 10 minutes i mean no way it's literally like 70 steps to the front door you know it's probably 70 to 100 yards from the door maybe even closer i'm trying to guess on the safe side and we walked in we weren't gone any more than 10 minutes if coyotes or any animal wouldn't have done it and eaten it there, coyotes would have drug it and shredded it. You know, a bear, if it would have eaten it there, I mean, it still would have It would have been messy. It wouldn't have been clean. So I'm thinking if something took it and drug it off, it, it would have had to drug, drug it to the fence, cross the fence, and then pulled it under the fence. And I'm like, that's where... You know, as I'm doing these circles, I'm like, okay, well, I know if I don't find something before when I get to the fence, that's where I'm going to see where it took this off at. There was absolutely not a single, and this was on yellow grass, and blood sticks out on yellow grass. There was absolutely not a drop of blood, not a shred of meat, not an intestine, not a piece of liver, not a single thing, and it blew my mind. And all of a sudden, everything, what I had seen, and all the experiences around the property came flooding back, 
and it started to make sense. I was like, there's nothing else that could have done this. If it was people, you know, this was the biggest buck of my life at that time. They would have taken the buck, which was laying right there. People yeah, they would have taken that pile. Exactly. People don't want that. Maybe the liver, but outside of that, no. And two men couldn't carry off a gut pile without dragging some of it uh, or having a wheelbarrow or a truck. And when we walked out, I closed the gate. So I know for a fact no vehicles went down there, and it was completely surrounded by a fence, and there was nothing. I mean, if a bear did it, it would have had to drug it off or eaten it all. If it would have eaten it all, we would have either seen it or seen some trace. Coyotes would have ripped it to pieces. It would have looked like a murder scene. Um, any uh, A mountain lion would have, wouldn't have been able to eat it all. And if it drug it off, I mean, there would just be so much evidence. And the direction that it would have had, like the, the fence was right there pretty close to us. And you got the gut pile, and then the blood puddle was in between the gut pile and the fence. So if something drug it on the ground and took it to the fence, which was right there, it would have drug it through the blood and the yellow grass. I mean, it just would have been obvious, and there was just no way to explain how it happened. And I knew I wasn't crazy because my cousin's the one that, that saw it, and I just I just confirmed it. Right, and you're almost thinking, like, you need some kind of an animal that's like a vacuum cleaner that can, like, just wet back up this whole pile of uh, guts and then can, like, step over a six-strand barbed wire fence and walk right off and leave no trace. Well, what the hell falls into that category? Exactly. Nothing, absolutely nothing made sense. And, you know, my cousin kept asking me, Dustin, what, what could have done that? What could have done that? And, one, I was scared, but, you know, that day I was kind of teaching him about deer hunting and um, he I didn't want him to freak out because I was freaked out so I just <laughs> didn't want to talk about it. I was like dude it, it was nothing it was, it was nothing or I may have even said uh, coyotated or something but he knew it didn't make sense and it's kind of yeah. funny because after that he just filed it away in his mind and forgot about it until I decided to tell my family what I believe what's going on out there and what I saw. And he was like, oh, Dustin, you didn't see that. This was much later. He's like, you didn't see that. You didn't see that. And I was like, dude, do you remember the gut pile? And his jaw dropped. And he was like, holy crap, you're right. But before I brought that up, he had forgotten about it, and he wasn't believing me until I said that. But. Uh, and after, all of a sudden, after, whoops, you slapped him with evidence, and that woke him right up. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he ended up having another experience out there. But after the gut pile, I, I dove into this, started looking into it, and trying to figure out what was going on out there. <clears throat> I had, uh, you know, told my family everything that that I had seen and that experience and what I believed was out there. And, of course, you know, when it comes to advice for hunting or the woods, I'm one of the guys in my family that people come to and ask questions, you know. Right. and But yet when I say I saw this, they, they all think I misidentified it or something, you know. Um, 
that's when I started dealing with I the issues of the fear and you know I stopped hunting and I well I would quote unquote hunt but I would go and I would I would sit in the middle of an open field you know right by the house <laughs> you know I would like technically hunt to kind of save space but at the same time I I was so scared and you got your floodlights, your your barbed wire fence, your minefield, your salt lick, yeah, yeah, your exactly. your <laughs> And yeah, and I I completely stopped squirrel hunting, which is my favorite uh, type of hunting and favorite game meat. Um, deer hunting, I think I just did to keep save face. You know, um, it, I I didn't actually hunt, and you know there. There was, of course, my mom and stepdad didn't believe what was going on, and I, they had experienced the the banging and you know me jumping up saying, "Hey, somebody's talking outside," all that stuff, um, and and they didn't believe me. And one night I was warming up noodles, and I, I was in the microwave, and it was hot. And my mom had the kitchen door open, which leads into the garage. And I'm, it's just me, her, and my nephew there. Well, she's getting him ready for a bath. He's just about to get in the bath. And I'm warming these up, and I'm talking on my cell phone to my dad. And we have an island, and I'm walking around it in the kitchen as I'm talking. And I warm up the noodles, winding up overcooking them, and I was, like, upset because I overcooked them. I put the juice in and I put them back in and I'm walking around and I hear, I just passed in front of the doorway and I hear a man speak out in the garage. So I think, oh, my stepdad's home and he's on the phone. So I, I go ahead and finish my lap around and when I come back, I step in the doorway and I peek my head out 100% expecting to see my stepdad there and just as my face gets through the doorway this thing speaks again and I literally like dropped down and I I made my hands into fists and I put them up by my head and I dropped down like almost in the fetal position like that's how bad it scared me and it was so deep it's like I could feel it when it spoke and I dropped down, and I backed up, and I don't remember either. I slammed the door then, or I did it later. And I'm like, Mom, <laughs> I, I get my pistol. I, I go in the back, and I get my stepdad's pistol. And I'm like, Mom, get Jason. Put him in your bathroom. I'm, Come on, just do it. And she's like, oh, Dustin. I'm like, do it, like screaming at her. And she doesn't. She's like, you're just freaking out. And me and her standing in front of the fridge and I'm like explaining what happened and I I don't feel comfortable staying there so I I grabbed her I'm like come here and we step on the other side of the fridge and I'm explaining to her what I heard and she's like well maybe it was Dave out there you know yeah 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 and where we're standing goes into the living room. Well, directly across from where we're standing is the back patio door, and it has a large glass piece in the middle of it. And this thing moved 
over to there, and it spoke again. And my mom heard it. And she's like, who was that? And so I grab her, and I move back to the other side of the fridge where it can't see us. And I'm like, do you see? Do you see? And she's like, who, who's out there? Like, she started freaking because she knew it wasn't my stepdad, and she knew she heard it. This thing... Now, what did she think it was? Job of the hunt out there in the garage or something, uh, you know? Going, she, oh, it, she, I, she's like, is he, is he out there? I'm like, Mom, you better call him because if it is, he's about to get shot. Like, I'm on the edge. If something tries to get in, it's getting shot. So she calls him. He's in the grocery store in town. He drops everything, jumps in his truck, and flies home. Now, of course, finds nothing when he gets there, but it wasn't him. Nobody was there. In the kitchen, the windows faced the driveway, so if somebody would have pulled down, we would have seen it and heard it. And this thing spoke three times, and it said the same thing three times. And I asked my mom, I said, Mom, what did you hear? And she's like, I heard a guy speak. I'm like, no, what did you hear? How... What did it say? And she goes, well, I don't know. I said, how many syllables? And she's like, uh, two. I said, what letter did they sound like? Because I already knew in my head, but I wanted to confirm. She said, it sounded like it started with a D both times. And I'm like, yes, that's what I heard. And what it sounded like it said was drob drew or drob droop. I don't know. It was, it was more like drob drew. Drob Drew, and it said the same thing the first two times I heard it and the last time when my mom heard it, the third time when my mom heard it with me. And she's heard that uh, at another time uh, we were talking, and I think this was before this happened, but we were talking about it, and she, of course, didn't believe me, and she's like, well, if it's out there, then let's go out there and look. And I'm like, Mom, you can't just do that. And she's like, well, why not? And I'm like, fine. So we go outside. I have a flashlight on my pistol, which is an LED light. And we start shining it. And 100% did not believe we'd see anything. And then, boom, there's these two eyes that are about seven, eight inches apart. They're huge. And they are... Just above the grass over on the other side of the driveway, and they but they look far away. And what I figured out later is whatever this was was standing down the holler, but it was just above the grass. So as you're looking at the tall grass, it looks like it's right there, but it looked far away, and that's what it was doing. Something was standing down the hillside to where just its head was sticking above the grass, and we we shine the light on it. And she's like, what is that? And I'm like, Mom, what does that look like to you? And she goes, I, I don't know. Is it a horse? And I'm like, Mom, are there horses over there? Of course there isn't. And we're standing there. It's not moving. And my mom's like, well, what is it? I'm like, what color eye shine do you see? And she's like, oh, it, I can't remember. But she was like, it's blue. And I'm like, no, it's white. The eye shines, or I said it's green. That's right. It's green. And so we're arguing. She's like, it's blue. I'm like, Mom, it is green. But yes, those are what I'm seeing too. She's like, Dustin, it's blue. And so I 
keep my hand the same, and I lean over, and I can see it's blue. And then I lean back to where I was originally standing, and it is definitely green. And I'm like, Mom, lean over. Look at this. It, it, you're right, but it's it's changing. And she leans over, and she sees it. Well, she's like, why isn't it moving? And I'm like, I, I don't know. And she does the one thing. She knows nothing about this. She does the one thing you're not supposed to do. And she goes, whoop. Oh, God. Just like that. She whoops at it. But I knew what she was trying to do. And I was like, Mom, what are you doing? She goes, I'm just trying to get it to move. Like, she just made a noise. And that was the first one that came to her head to get it to move. And it did. It started looking to its right and back at us. And to its right and back at us. And over to its right is where all this stuff has happened and she's looking to the right and back at us, and it it's looking back and forth, and I don't know if it put its arm up at one point, because it's like you could see the eyes, but it's like there was something in front of it, or maybe it grabbed a branch and it was brushed. I don't know, but we stood there and, and stared at this thing and for probably three to five minutes, and eventually we're just like, do you think we should go in? Yeah, yeah, let's let's go in before it does something. But it just kept looking uh, over to the right and looking back at us. Um, real quick, the previous encounter, when it was talking outside the garage, there's a window right there. And in that space, that little nook is where the dog used to be. Uh, my stepbrother ended up coming and getting the dog. Um but that's one of the dark spots. There's no light there. Like, it's pitch black right there. The light on the end of the garage doesn't shine over there, and the light on the patio doesn't shine over there, even though the light on the patio was off. But it's it, you can see, because I had that door open, I think it was watching me do my laps. And it it spoke, and then I walked around and peeked, poked my head out. It spoke again. There's a window there, and then... Standing back there with my mom, it moved to the back patio and spoke there as well. So I just wanted to clarify that. But, um, God, I wonder yeah, what it was saying. Good. You know, that's just really bizarre. It makes you wonder what it was uh, thinking and what it was saying. You know, it probably wasn't a hug of the Wookiee or something, but just, you know, yeah, I'm but at the same time, it's like, because, you know, my name, I thought, well, is it trying to say my name? Well, no, that's way too short. Uh, you know, my nephew used to call me Dutton, Uncle Dutton, and I thought maybe that. Um, but the thing is, is it's like each time it said it, it said it slower and more drawn out. Like the first time was real quick, the second time was a little bit longer, and the third time was a little bit longer than that. And that has, I've thought about that just as much as my sighting. And I just wonder, was it trying to communicate with me? Was it was it just trying to scare me? Because obviously when I jumped and I jerked, like I dropped down to where almost my butt was touching the ground, like all the way down. I kind of went in the fetal position, but I had my fists up by my head. And whenever it spoke, when I poked my head out because it scared me so bad, like it knew it scared me. And then it went to the back patio door and and spoke again so was it just having fun with me like it enjoys scaring me because it seemed like once i saw 
them like they focused on me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Uh, you know, there's a couple other things that happened out there. Um, there's a lot of little stuff, but, you know, one time it squealed like a pig at me. I was walking inside, and it, it did it, and then I ended up leaving my juice out in the car, went out to get it, came back, and I stopped in the doorway, and I was about to shine my light over there, and it did it again. Exact same scream, squeal. It sounded like a pig. Um and then uh, another time, putting up a deer stand for my stepbrother, there was four of us. We had a truck going. It ended up getting pitch black, and I hear this thing walking uh, around. It starts behind us, and it sounds like it goes around the pond, but I'm standing right next to an injected 350 that's running. So I, I think I'm – because I'm scared – you know, and I told them, I'm like, hey, dude, I, I turned into a pumpkin at dark, so let's hurry up and get this out of here. <laughs> like, come on, let's get this up. You guys know how I am. I had my pistol, and this thing's walking around, and it sounds like it's just obviously breaking branches, but it sounds like it's on two feet, and it, it's dark. And I hear it walking around, and, you know, it's like every couple seconds I'm hearing it. And it slowly makes its way around, but it was very loud. And then it gets up to where it's at, like, my 10 o'clock. And it's still just walking, walking. It gets to, like, my 11 o'clock if, you know, the tree that my stepbrother's hanging the stand. He's up in the stand uh, wrapping a chain around. My stepdad is on the other side up a ladder my buddy TJ is standing right in front of me because we helped them get it up. But once they got it up, you can kind of only have two guys there. And I was the one in the truck because we used a, a rope to we hooked it to the truck. And um, anyways, TJ standing right in front of me, and I'm the closest to the truck. Well, the whole time I'm telling myself I'm hearing stuff until it gets up to where it's past my nine o'clock. Because now it's in front of me, and it's much closer, and it's still circling around. Well, it gets to the 11 o'clock position, and the footsteps go from being very loud and obvious crunch, snap, crunch, like just breaking stuff. And it goes, like it sounds like it's pitter-pattering, and it's no longer going around. It literally is on the other side of this huge oak tree, and it's coming straight at us. And it's going... And it, it's like it's, it's intentionally trying to be quiet, and it's moving short distances and stopping. Short distances and stopping. Well, in my head, I'm like, okay. I pull my pistol out. It's already cocked, and I'm like, these guys, if I tell them I hear something, they already know I'm the crazy guy that saw Bigfoot. So I'm not saying anything, and when this thing pokes its head out, I'm shooting it in the face, and they're going to learn real quick something's wrong and that I'm not playing games. So either they're going to get in the truck or I'm going to leave them here, but I'm not saying a word until I fire this gun. And so my buddy had a little keychain flashlight, and I'm like, dude, give me that. And I'm shining the light on this tree because it's on the other side of it. And, you know, I'm kind of sweeping left and right, seeing if it's going to poke its head out. And it comes up, and it it's literally 
right on the other side of this tree to the point where I don't know why I can't see it. Like, it, it's right there. And I'm shaking. I have the pistol aimed. I have my hand underneath uh, my wrist that's holding the pistol, shining the light on it. I have my finger on the trigger, and I am ready to start. I was already starting to take up slack just to get ready. And my stepbrother, who's up in the tree, goes, uh, guys, there's something big, and it's coming right at us. Uh-huh. And I'm like, this relief, because he was hearing it come straight towards us. He didn't hear it at all before until it started doing the little pitter-patter, stop-and-go stuff straight at us. And my stepdad goes, no, where? And he's like, right where Dustin's shining that light. And I'm like, yep. And it circled around, and it's right on the other side of this tree. He gets a spotlight. He starts shining it. And I tell my stepbrother, I'm like, dude, it's time to go. He's like, well, I'm I'm almost done. I got to finish this light. I'm like, it's time to leave now. And he's like, all right. He finishes it. He gets down. We, I, They all get in the truck. I'm the last one in the truck because I won't take my light and my gun off this tree. We get in the truck, and we leave. And I, of course, everybody's like, what was that? My stepbrother said, I'm like, what did it sound like? He's like, it sounded like something big. I'm like, was it on two legs or four? And he's like, it sounded like it was on two, but it was moving them quick, and it was like moving and stopping. And so I, I end up asking, uh, of course, they all ended up just chalking it up to nothing. But the next day, I run into one of their family members that owns the pasture that connects with this one. And I asked him, I'm like, hey, did, you know, my stepdad tell you, uh, you know, what happened the other day? He said, well, no. I'm like, have you ever noticed anything weird out here? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he did. And, you know, it's funny because... Uh, that was nothing but white-tailed deer. And I'm like, what? And he was like, yep, that, that was a white-tailed deer. I'm like, what do you mean? And he said, you know, if I've if you pull out into into the pasture, and I've, I've done this, and you sh- it's nighttime, and you shut the truck off, you shut the lights off, and you roll down the windows, and you just sit there, you'll hear the deer. You know, they won't do it every time, but if you sit there long enough... The deer will sneak up on you, and you'll hear them coming up in the grass. And then you turn on the truck and turn around and shine your lights around, but you'll never see them. But, yep, it's white-tailed deer. And I'm just like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Like, I could poke holes through that because that absolutely makes zero sense. But, all right, white-tailed deer like coming up to pick up trucks. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah, and sneaking up on you too. Yeah, they they like to do that a lot. You know, deer are known and, and for their, can't their sneaky predatory with, behavior. Exactly, and th- when you spin your truck around, there's no eye shine, and that's another thing. When this thing moved up on us, if it was a, a deer or a, a coyote or a dog, you, we would have seen eye shine, and it wouldn't have like there was a big bush and the tree was right there. But behind that, it was clear. There's a clear spot, and that's the path it took to get down there. But we should have seen something. And a deer are not going to walk up on four guys with a running truck and lights putting this up. 
I honestly think it was one of these creatures, and it was curious as what we were doing. Yeah. I I wish at the time I had a recorder because I would have. I remember thinking when we left. Man, I wish I had a recorder because I guarantee that thing's going to check out that deer stand. Like, yeah. I knew what it was. And the whole time I'm having this mental battle saying, no, no, Dustin, you're, you're, just, you're just hearing stuff. You're just scared and you're hearing stuff. Because I'm hearing this, this breaking and this crunching in between the cackle of this injected 350 that's running right next to me. And, you know, I'm it, as it gets around, it gets louder and more obvious until it's no more denying it. And I can't I can't fight it in my head anymore. I know something's there. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've had a lot of things on this property and they they still some of them choose to remain just ignorant to it and and chalk everything up to. Nothing. No, it's nothing. It was white-tailed, white-tailed deer coming up on four guys in the truck, and you know, spotlight. Yeah, yeah. And the white-tailed deer run on their hind legs and raid your dumpster and leave eighteen-inch-long tracks. And you know, I'm sure they do. Uh, you know, that's what it. It gets to the point sometimes where the the mental gymnastics they're performing, trying to convince themselves that it's something else, is way more ridiculous than the concept that it could have been Bigfoot. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's just one of those things that always boggles my mind. Well, you know, unless you got more uh, more that you want to cover and go into, I think we should uh, wrap her up at this point. And I'd like to uh, remind everybody that you've got a, a really good show that you do called Crypto PTSD, and they should not only go and check it out and listen to them because they're great and entertaining episodes, but if anybody out there that's listening to the show has had an encounter, and it doesn't have to be one where you're chased by, you know, a 12-foot tall uh, flaming Bigfoot shooting lightning out of its mouth trying to barbecue you. It can be any kind of a cryptid, you know, related encounter. And, and Dustin does cryptid encounters besides Bigfoot. He does dogman encounters and stuff too. And he's just looking for guests to come on his show right now. And I just think it's great that there's another show out there that's providing this kind of outlet for people to come on and talk about these experiences with somebody that's the host has actually had some of these experiences so they can relate to it. And, you know, God bless you. I, I just am happy that there's more shows like this out there to give people more of a venue and different places that they can go to to share with. But, uh, you know, as I definitely recommend uh, Dustin's show. It's a, it's a good show. And I also recommend that if you've had an encounter, if you've seen something and you want to share it with an audience, and if you want to talk to someone else who's had those sort of experiences, definitely get a hold of Dustin, CryptoPTSD at gmail.com. This is the email. Got that correct, right? Yes. Yep. And uh, anything else you wanted to add there, buddy? No, uh, just do. Thank you. Uh, thank you for helping me out. You know, we did the interview on my show, and then ever since then, anytime I have a problem, I call you, and you you either always answer, you always get back to me. Uh, that that means a lot, man. And then when it comes to the show, it's Crypto PTSD, and we're on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you've had an encounter, you know, I do paranormal. I've also had experiences with that, and, you know, it's once your mind gets open to this stuff and you realize that these things are real, 
so many other people deal with this and you know i don't just take encounters where people suffer you know i think we all suffer in some way when you have an experience with something that's not supposed to be real but i take encounters from like you said dogman bigfoot paranormal ufo whatever if you had an unexplained uh experience or uh, group of experiences or you saw something that's not supposed to exist please send me send me an email and put encounter in the subject line well other than that duke i i really appreciate it um I, you've helped me out a lot got a lot of things coming down the pipeline and i i hope to get to meet you soon i've uh, got uh carrie with bigfoot odyssey he's going to be doing a web series and he's going to come down and uh, do my encounter and do a show on my on my show and I'd love cool. to hook him up with with you and you know he he wants to meet everybody but man you're a great guy all you hear about is the bad crap and the bad people in the Bigfoot community but I got lucky and uh, I I got in contact with you and I I'm happy that I'm in a group of people that that want to help each other and ask for nothing in return. So, Duke, thank you. Uh, you're very, very welcome, buddy. And, again, you know, I'd like to encourage everyone because, uh, you know, with my show, I do really open format. So if you call me with an encounter, I'll talk to you about it, but it may never get on the show or it may be a long, long time before it gets on the show. If you actually want to get it out to the public or something, I really encourage you to go uh, talk to Dustin at Crypto PTSD. Unless you've seen a troll or a Wendigo, then come talk to me. But other than that, <laughs> Dustin will be happy to take your encounter. And he's even got two kinds of really cool um, artwork that he's using now. He's got one that's got like a Bigfoot on it and one that's got like a Bigfoot facing off against a dog man that looks like they're about to attack yeah. each other um, that he can use for shows other than just playing Bigfoot. So you can even sort of tell what the show is going to be about just by looking at the artwork on it. And I want you to see, uh, I want to see the artwork of the next scene after that where they're actually fighting each other and like Bigfoot is ripped <laughs> yeah. off one of Dogman's arms and is beating him over the head with it. That's the next one I want to see from you. <laughs> I'll have Thanks to make the Dogman win in just because you said that. <laughs> My money's on Bigfoot all the way. <laughs> he can throw boulders. Dogman ain't no good at that. All right, yeah, brother. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on the show. And, uh, you know, again, everybody, go check out Crypto PTSD. It's a great show. I really enjoy it. And uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to Dustin's Encounters. And, and I'm sure you'll enjoy his show, too. So go check it out. And otherwise, everybody, have a great week. And we'll see you on the next show. Take care, everyone. God bless. Bye. All right, that's it. Now all I have to do is just hang up, and it'll complete the whole thing and finish the, the little file. Awesome. All right, man. Hey, dude, thanks for having me on the show. I had a good time. No problem. You know, it's you've had a bunch of encounters. It's interesting to hear somebody that's actually had more than one thing happen. And some of the more interesting encounter shows I've ever heard have been actually with people that never really saw anything. It's just the weird shit yeah. that's happened near them in camps and stuff like that. And sometimes it's so fucking scary. It's way scarier than some of the, the flat-out sightings that some people have had. You know, and, and of course it has exactly. to do with how the people tell it, but some of those experiences, oh my God, you know, like Kelly Shaw just had somebody contact him not very long ago where they're out camping in the woods and something picked up their dog and hurled it at their tent. Well, what the fuck could do that? 
Yeah, and not seeing it is worse than yeah. seeing it, you know? Exactly. You know, and it's like they know it ain't a bear. It's not a human that can pick up a friggin' dog and hurl it at a tent. What the hell is out there? <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yeah, it's uh, it. that's why I like a lot of those where they didn't actually see anything because it gets other people who are having the same experience that are like, well, I can't talk about mine because I never saw anything. So nobody would want me on their show, you know, to actually email you and be like, Hey, I got this same stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how often do you hear the ones too, where it's like, well, I saw him running across the road in the middle of the night. Was it a long ways off? No, actually, it was pretty close. It was yeah. kind of strange because it, it seemed like it probably could have crossed the road before I even got there, and I never would have seen it. Aha. And this goes back to one of my longstanding and favorite jokes, where the two Bigfoot are meeting in the woods just right before dark, and they're getting ready to go up for their daily or nightly routine. And the one Bigfoot says to the older Bigfoot, well, what do you got going tonight? And he goes, well, I'm going to go down to the Johnson farm, check out their picture window, and watch Johnson family dinner. Uh, what are you doing tonight? Yep. Well, I'm going to go down to the curb in the road, wait until that hippie van gets really close, and then run out and see if I can cause a car accident. I'll see you later. Okay, exactly. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. That's 100%. <laughs> like, what are Bigfoot plotting? This is exactly what they do. You know, if you could see inside inside the Bigfoot mind, what are they actually up to? They're plotting how to fuck with us. That's what they're actually up to. Well, in between eating and making a living, let's go fuck with the humans, you know. Yep, exactly. Exactly. I got a picture to send you. I don't know if you were on been on Sasquatch Chronicles recently, but they posted some interesting pictures on there today that somebody was having problems with the thief stealing the chickens out of their chicken coop and put up a game mm. cam. And they got some pictures of the chicken thief and it ain't no human. <laughs> oh, I've I've s I didn't see it on Sasquatch Chronicles, but I saw it on Sasquatch Central on yeah. YouTube. It's one picture, right, of this thing that's like twice as tall as the chicken coop looking. Well, at yeah, the... there's like there's two pictures of it. One's there's the third oh, okay. one that's a honed in version of one of the first two, but yeah. Well, go go ahead and send them to me though, if you, if you would. Well, I'll send you the one that I copied. The one that looks like uh, sort of like Patty's uh, face that probably everybody's going to pass around. I didn't bother. I copied the other one where it looked like it had sort of like taken a look at the camera as the picture was being snapped so you can clearly see two eyes instead of just like yeah. a blur of light. So, and, and of course, again, the weird reflectivity there. You know what creeps me out is these people that have clearly seen something. There is no friggin' background light for it to be reflecting anything, and it's glowing red. That just creeps the fuck out of me, and every time I hear that, yeah. it's an aggressive Bigfoot. And it really makes yeah. me wonder what the hell's going on with them. See, the the one that I saw, it was, I guess, some people could call it a red color, but it was like a brownish-orange. Yeah. Um, That's the you color of their eye, actually. They, most of them don't have a white to their eye. It's sort of an orange part, and then they got a pupil in the middle of it. So a lot of times you'll see that sort of orange or amber or brownish-type eye color coming off of them, and that's, you're seeing their actual eye color is what you're seeing. Hmm. Well, that second one was blue and green. I don't know if I said this because I kind of jumped back, but at the end, it was white. Both mm-hmm. eyes were white. And both me and my mom saw them white. So she's seeing one color, I'm seeing the other color. 
I lean over and see her color. She leans over and sees my color. After she whoops, it starts looking back and forth, and then the eyes are white the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. And they must it, have honed in like, on exactly where you guys were. We're looking right at you then. How do you explain that? You know, how do you explain the it, it just being white? You know, other than like what you said, maybe it turned its head and kind of squared up with us, or. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I but think it is. I think it's, it's the started... angle. It's, it has to do with the, the light source, the light color, and the angle that you're seeing him at. Because like the one I saw in that driveway, he, I don't think he was looking directly at me. I think he was watching me out of the yeah. corner of his eye, which also had an effect on the color. Because he, you know, I wasn't letting him know I had seen him. And he might have been thinking that I hadn't seen him. And if you, you know, like a lot of advanced hunters know, if you don't look directly at something, it won't be tipped off that you're looking at it. Exactly. If you stare at something, they can feel that you're staring at them. So he might have been watching me out of the corner of his eye, thinking as long as he didn't put his direct gaze on me, I wouldn't notice him, and I'd walk fucking right into him. And the only reason I noticed him is because of that reflection off of his eyes. Yeah, and it's... um... Yeah, I know that's a creepy possibility. I usually don't even bring that up when I'm telling that story. <clears throat> it, it 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 makes me wonder, like, why? What was its intentions? Why was it there? Why was it behaving in the way it was? Was it just hoping you'd walk by and not see it, possibly, or was it hoping you'd walk right into it? You know, it was I mean, blocking the road. There wasn't any way for me to walk right past it. It was standing directly in my path. Yeah, I know, and it's like, well, was it kind of caught, like it was walking up, and then you come out, and so it just freezes, and it's like, maybe he won't see me, because I've heard other encounters, I haven't taken them, but I've heard on other shows, where these things will strike a, a odd pose, like they're a tree branch, and they'll hold their arms up and kind of to the side, and they'll just freeze like that, you know? It's like, I don't know, man, your, your encounter, that's one of my favorite shows on my my show is is yours because that that encounter right there the one where you almost walked into it is my favorite one of yours and it's because it's so terrifying and it it asks so many questions you know it raises so many questions why how what you know oh and one thing that comes up a lot and i had another good example of this the other night too is the uh Normal animals are afraid of humans. Normal animals are afraid of loud noises. They don't come and investigate them. They run the opposite direction. These things are drawn toward this shit, and it makes no fucking sense whatsoever. I got contacted by a guy who was uh, stationed over in Europe. He was tank commander, and he was at one of the tank training areas that they have in Germany. They have some fairly good, sizable chunks of forest over there that are off limits to everybody except military and they have a couple of them at least that they use just for tank training grounds. And he was on one of them. They were going down this long field, and they were practicing formation, and they had like a reverse V, and the tanks in the squad were driving this reverse V down the field. And he's heads up looking out the hatch, and he sees this horse over by the tree line, and he goes, what the fuck is this horse doing out here? This whole area is fenced off. How the fucking farmer's horse get in here? And then he looks at it a little closer, and he realizes it's the size of a horse, and it's on four legs. But that ain't no fucking horse. Its legs are like three times too thick, for one thing. 
And so he starts looking at it a little closer, and its front shoulders are up higher than its back, uh, its its rear end is. And it's sort of ambling along, and it's going the same direction as the tanks are. It's about 100 yards in front of them. This is six Abrams tanks, keep in mind, that are going down this field. And this thing's about 100 yards in front of them. And it doesn't make a 90-degree turn and go off into the woods on its right. It sort of meanders and angles off in that direction as it non-hurriedly continues going the same direction the tanks do. Uh, you know, so you think you're in a fucking Abrams tank, you see Bigfoot, you're not scared, right? No, this guy was scared shitless. And as a matter of fact, a week later, him and some of his buddies uh, were at one of the local bars, and they were drinking, and they brought up the subject of what's the scariest thing you ever saw and went around the table. And they got to him, and he brought up that incident that had happened a week before. And the guy over on his left side turns and stares at him. It was the driver in his tank, and he goes, you saw it too, huh? Oh, man. Yeah, see, to me, I would have turned the turret, and I would have blasted that <laughs> See, this is like one of my favorite jokes. So I'll go fucking mountain giant hunting. Just give me a tiger, too, with all the ammo and a crew, and I'll go I'll go mountain giant hunting. No problem. But now it's like I, you know, I get a report from somebody that's in a fucking Abrams tank with a squad of Abrams tanks. Fully functional with ammunition. He sees Bigfoot. It still scares the shit out of him. Okay, fuck this. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, man. It's uh, you know same thing with my my deer stand encounter. It, there's four guys. It's literally my stepbrother was supposed to meet us there. And, of course, we're all standing there, and he shows up like an hour and a half late. And so it's like 45 minutes till dark. We get out there, it's 30 minutes till dark. We start putting it up, and it's dark. So we're doing 75% of this after it's dark. And there's four guys. What we did was it's on a hauler. So we just pulled down in the hauler, and the tree's down there. And this deer stand is like 300 pounds i mean he his grandpa welded it together for him and what it is is it's piping quarter inch piping and i mean it's huge it's a freaking brick shit house i mean this thing so we couldn't put it up so what we did is we drug it out and we set it up against the bottom of the tree and we threw a rope across and we hooked it to it, and then we hooked it to the front of the truck. I started the truck, and I put the truck in four-wheel drive because we were on the hauler, so it was steep. And I just gunned it back up, and it pulled this up to where we wanted it. And then I par- put the truck in park, and then we adjusted it through the straps around. And this thing, there's a running truck, and whenever I was pulling it up, I mean, I put it in four-wheel drive, but That's I was kidding. No animal in its right mind would come anywhere near that. There's a bunch of yeah, humans. There's and, a running truck. There's rigging going on. Animals that are saying run away. Yes, and you know in Jurassic Park, whenever he gets stuck and he's like uh, right at the end where the fat guy's trying to steal the stuff and that uh, dinosaur spits in his face and then eats him. <laughs> He's trying to steal a DNA. Well, he's got the Jeep, and it's like kicking left and right as it's spinning out. That's what I was doing, backing up the hill. Because I'm literally in a hauler, and I'm backing up, and I'm pulling this rope. And so I'm like swinging left and right in the truck. 
but I get it up there. And so it's like, not like a truck was just running, but I was revving it and it was yeah. clearly fish tailing. They're there. We've got flashlights and he's strapping it. We've got chains and this thing comes up once I park it and starts from the field, goes around the pond into the clearest part, which is like the bottom of the hauler that leads down to close to where we were at. And it walks all the way around until it gets right there and then it starts coming in straight on us. And it's intentionally like it's trying to be quiet. And it's like, oh, God, no. But you can tell this was a large animal to the point where my stepbrother goes, hey, guys, there's something big and it's coming right at us. Did you ever hear the extended version of Mike Woolley's encounter? Not just the encounter where he gets chased out, but he actually, a couple people have asked him this about going back there again, and he went back and he got, or tried to, get his deer stand and bring it back again. He brought one of his friends with him, didn't tell him what had been going on, made sure they were both armed and said, I just need help getting this thing down. I think it's kind of... And it was uh, twisted around a tree... Yeah, it was actually wrapped around the tree, the tree twice. It was a tubular steel stand that had been wrapped yeah, around that, the tree twice. And his buddy thing. looked at it and went, there's no, there's too many big trees right around this. You couldn't do this with a vehicle. You could, literally couldn't hook onto the vehicle and drag it around that tree twice and wrap it up like that. There's no physical fucking way to do it. How the hell did this happen? And Mike said, just forget the stand. Let's get out of here. I'll tell you after we're out of the woods. Yep. To be honest, whenever we left, I I had a feeling that that's exactly what was going to happen to that tree stand. Because that night, I'm thinking we pissed this thing because we put up a deer hunting stand in its in its territory. Like it's not going to mm-hmm. like this. It uh-huh. came there to check out what we were doing, and it's going to send us a message. And I went back after deer season, went out there and looked at it, and. Nothing. Actually, my stepbrother called me that first morning. I'm like, hey, man, so did was anything moved on the stand or anything? He's like, no. Everything was exactly how we left it. So I, I then thought, well, this thing was just coming to check out what we were doing. But you know how ballsy that is? It can see I have a pistol, and it mm-hmm. still came straight in on us. Well, and here's the other like, thing to consider. They're smart enough. They know if you're hunting from a tree stand, you're coming in in the dark to go sit on the tree stand. And he knows probably what your path going into the tree stand is going to be. Should I draw a map from there? Yeah. I mean, it's it's just oh, it, very Sitting there in ambush waiting in the dark for you to come into your deer stand, and then you're not going to be seen again. Yeah, I it just blows my mind, man. Like, I can't believe it did that. With four of us there, a truck, lights... And it, like, Duke, it was within 20 yards of us. I wow. mean, and that that's being safe, but 100% was within 20 yards of us. Yeah. Well, like I was just saying with the tank, you know, not, not just a tank, a running tank, not just a running tank, six running tanks, not just running, going toward it. And it's in no big fucking hurry to get out of the way. No normal yep. rational animal would ever do that. So that, you know, these things are just not scared of us at all period yep nope i and i always say you know it's like how i would play hide and go seek with a five-year-old how ballsy i would be because i know Mm -hmm. 
like I could get away with hiding in obvious spots and they won't see me. That's how yeah. they are with us. Uh huh. And they count coup on us too. The Indians have talked about that. Yep. Uh, there's a couple tribes that even say that the Bigfoot in their area have to actually get so close to a human they can touch you without you ever realizing that they were there in order to be counted an adult in their troop. Well, that would not surprise me. Um, now, what would surprise me is that takes some amazing intelligence, you know? Yeah, see, well, that doesn't surprise me. That's why everybody keeps trying to capture these things, fails miserably, because they keep starting with the wrong supposition that we're dealing with some big dumb ape running around the woods. Well, as long as you keep thinking that, you're never going to get one, because you're dead wrong. Yeah. That's not what we're dealing with. Yeah. It's a monster running around the woods. That's what... <laughs> It's not some dumb ape. It's a friggin' monster. That's what. <laughs> and monsters are smart. <laughs> exactly, man. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Well, hey, I gotta get going. Believe it or not, I actually have yeah. something to do tonight. My my roommates are gonna use the giant big screen TV upstairs to uh, watch the uh, Marvel Civil Wars, which I haven't actually seen yet. So I'm looking forward to actually checking it yeah. out. And similar to being in a theater type surrounding. Yeah. Awesome, dude. All right, man. Yeah, I'm going to hit the sack. I'm tired. Hey, brother, when I get this episode put together, I'll send you a copy right away so you can check it out. I I recorded it. I wouldn't even <laughs> worry about it. I I just recorded it just in case something happened. I could send it to you, and I might post it on my show after you get done posting it on yours. Right on. That's fine. Okay, buddy. All right. Well, have a, have a great night. Thanks for uh, doing the show, and I hope we can get you some more... Uh, people coming on your show so you can uh, get her more amped up here for the fall and winter now. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> All right, brother. We'll holler at you later. Okay, man. Bye-bye.
Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.